Welcome to the Fierce Mothers podcast, where we help black and brown women find guidance and inspiration every week. We are so excited to have you listen in. I'm your host, Ugochi Onyewu. In today's episode, I am talking to the phenomenal Nene Akinton. Nene Judy Akinton is a wife, mother, entrepreneur, mentor, speaker, author, realtor, advocate, and more importantly, God's unique creation. Nene grew up in a family of hardworking folks. Her parents were born into poverty, but they became successful in their careers through hard work, ambition, and a spirit of excellence. Nene imbibed these qualities and works for her clients with that same tenacity, spirit of excellence, and appreciation of the emotional component of buying or selling a home. With a BSc, MBA, and MSc, and the certified negotiation expert and seniors real estate specialist designations, Nene has excelled in multiple fields throughout her career. She owns Oakville Living with Nene, a real estate business, and co-runs the nonprofit foundation, I Am, I Can, I Will, with her adult children, Temi Tife, and her niece, Olympia. Nene's dedication to promoting diversity and inclusion in the business community is reflected in her position as the vice chair of the Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce. Her guiding philosophy, honesty, integrity, tenacity, has served as the foundation of her success as a banker, consultant, entrepreneur, volunteer, and realtor. In this episode, we discuss tenacity, being open to feedback, and operating from a place of excellence. Nene shares her experiences and shares how to overcome challenges and be successful as a realtor. Hey, Nene, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for asking and thank you for having me today. Of course, it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining. Just tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you were born, what part of Nigeria you're from, and all that kind of good stuff. We want to hear about you. Awesome, awesome. So uh, my name is Nene Akinton, and I usually introduce myself as a wife, a mother, a sister, an aunt, entrepreneur, as a mentor, volunteer, realtor, (laughs) and more importantly, God's unique creation. Um, I wear a lot of hats, so I I need to recognize and uh, acknowledge those different hats that I wear. So I was born in Tamale, which is in Ghana. However, I am an Igbo lady from Ibuzo in Delta State, and that's by my parental lineage. So my parents are Nigerian. And I am a Yoruba lady from Idori, Ondo State by marriage. My socialization and culture, which is made up of my culture and my religion, tell me clearly that I should acknowledge where I come from, even though I'm not a feminist, but I'm not one to let anybody walk all over me, whether you're a man, woman or child. (laughs) That's such a lovely introduction. I I love how you introduced yourself. 
like you said, you you wear many hats, and I love the different the different hats. And I love that you've said that you, even though you're not a feminist, you don't let people walk all over you. So I'm very curious. How would you describe yourself? You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What kind of character traits best embody your personality? <laughs> do we have um 24 we hours do. go ahead um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i describe myself as a strong woman because of not because of who i am but not what i represent so a good analogy is nena is here in this room not a woman is here hmm. so i represent nene not all women and I'm comfortable with that. And I respect other women and I respect their traits. So talking about traits, I, had, I was having a conversation with my husband recently. And we were going back and forth about when people say things like, everybody knows me. I am this or I am that. Hmm. And we came to the conclusion that we have an understanding or a knowledge of who we are and who we want people to see us as. But who are we really? And I think because of um, that, I usually would ask my husband and my kids and my very close, close friends who they think I am. What do they see in me? Um, so I see myself as strong. But then I ask them, just give me a few characteristics. So my husband says I'm fiercely loyal. He says I'm rigid in my belief system. He says I'm benevolent and I'm very trusting. Mm. Now, our son, Tifa, who's 20, describes me as selfless a woman with integrity. I am logical, although when he said that, I laughed. I'm like, eh, people don't, re I don't really see myself as logical. I see myself as emotional. Mm -hmm. I have, I mean, I have logical traits, but I see myself more as emotional. But anyway, he says I'm logical and I'm sunny. Our daughter, Tammy, who's 23, and my sister-in-law, Henrietta, who's my brother's wife, describes me as a go-getter. Mm -hmm. And my daughter also describes me as persistent and generous mm. so i have my own list so i try to compare and all of these things people have said about me is who i think i am mm. the only thing i didn't hear them say is that i'm confident mm. and i know I, I i am confident and i'm comfortable in the limelight but i've not always been confident though I struggled a lot um, as a child and even as an adult with self-confidence, but that's another story. So that's how I would best describe myself in terms of my character traits and um, things like that. You asked me what are my strengths and weaknesses? Mm -hmm. was that yes, a point? Was it that? was. It was. Yeah. So I would say that all of the above are my strengths, um, but something else I would add is I have a strong emotional intelligence. And I think that comes from my upbringing. So I was brought up by fantastic loving parents, um, Dr. Philip Okoma and Dr. Mrs. Bridget Okoma. And I was the Ada. Mm. And if you are Igbo, you know what the mm -hmm. Ada means. For, but for those listening who are, not, who, don't, who are not Igbo, Ada is the first girl child in the Igbo culture. So I was brought up by my parents as the Ada in a polygamous Nigerian family mm. with amazing, amazing siblings who helped me develop this emotional intelligence. 
So apart from all the other things that have been said, which I consider my strengths, I would say my emotional intelligence is another strength I have. Mm -hmm. um, weaknesses, weaknesses. I tend to, I see some of my strengths also as being a weakness. Like I'm very trusting. Mm. And that has resulted in me being, you know, <laughs> bitten in the, mm -hmm. you know what, sometimes by people that mean taking advantage of. Mm. But it's part of growing up. It's part of living life. So I, I, I tend to be very trusting. Mm. Another thing is that I like to get my way a lot. <laughs> <laughs> My children, my children, my son will say, mommy, why does it always have to be your way? Mm. Why is it your way or no way? And I'm like, really? Is it always my way? He's like, mm. yes. And my daughter too, she will say something. She goes, mommy, you know, your way is not the only way, right? You know, there are other ways. And you know that I'm an adult, right? And I can make my own decision. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it when they, they call me out on that. And even my husband too says, Nene, you know that there are two ways. Mm your way and other people's mm, way. <laughs> mm, <laughs> so, of course, they say this lovingly and sometimes out of frustration because um, they know I like to get my way, but I I, I learn from it. Mm. So I hope they're not listening, but every time when I have a situation or a discussion with them and I want my way, I go back and think about what they told me. I'm like, you know what, that, that makes mm. sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there are a couple of things you said that I really want to touch on. The first one, I love that you called out the fact that your strengths can also be your weaknesses or vice versa. Like even as you're telling me your weakness, you like to get your own way, that could be a strength because it translates to someone had said you're persistent, right? So if you believe very strongly in something, you're going to be like, well, no, it doesn't really make sense. It should be this way. So I can see that being a strength and a weakness. But I also want to go back to something you talked about, and you talked about emotional intelligence. And I'd love to hear from you what you think that means or what that means to you. What does emotional intelligence mean to you? Because people may be listening, myself included, actually, and like, well, what does she mean by emotional intelligence? So I wanted to go back to that. If you would describe that for us, please. Well, I think emotional intelligence is my ability to be sensitive to other people's emotions mm -hmm. when things are happening. Mm -hmm. um, so being first of all, for you to have emotional intelligence, I think you need to be able to understand your own emotions and be able to manage that. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I it's taking me some time to do that. Being able to understand my own, understand and manage my own emotions. I, I would digress a little bit. A few years ago, I had to go into therapy. Mm -hmm. um, no, not go into therapy. I signed up for therapy because mm -hmm. I made the choice to sign up for mm -hmm. therapy because I found mm -hmm. out that I was always either always crying or always agitated. Um, and, and for the longest time, I kept saying, I can deal with this. I can push through it. And my husband would say, you know, maybe you just need to speak to somebody. And I'd be like, no, don't psychoanalyze me. Just walk on your own lane, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But eventually, I, I signed up for group therapy. And it helped me further honing these skills I have when I say that I have a very strong emotional intelligence, which is kind of self-regulation, -re having empathy. I grew up in a family, my father and mother were volunteers, um, lions and lionesses, and I was a Leo. And I grew up with, a, with this empathy for other people, but sometimes you don't know how to regulate it. Sometimes you, 
you you do you do too much mm. i think is what i'm trying to say so the therapy mm. helped me understand my emotions understand how to manage that and understand how to help people um in that space to whether influence their own emotions or help them regulate it i'm not a trained um psychotherapist by any means but i think what that taught me is what my strengths and weaknesses are in this space and how to now channel that and use it in the other space of what I do as a volunteer and just as a parent, really, helping me understand things with my children. So by emotional intelligence, I mean the ability to manage my, first of all, my my, my own emotions, regulate it, and also how to recognize things that are happening. I'll give you an example. I'm an Igbo woman. I married into Yoruba culture. It's a very different culture mm-hmm. from what I know growing up. Um, we need to kneel down. I mean, we're very respectful in the Igbo tradition, but the Yorubas take it one notch up. So they're respectful in words and in action. So you see an older person, you kneel down. You, you, there's a way you greet. And I don't have a problem with that. But now, but when I came into my marriage, it was a big deal for me. I'm like, wow, does it mean this is going to invalidate mm. my own culture? Mm. Do I have to do this? What about my own culture? But I think with emotional intelligence, I was able to navigate this water of two totally different cultures. I kept the beauty of my own culture and I learned the beauty of the new culture and I merged Mm -hmm. it together. And I'm now able to coexist in my home and in my new family, which is my husband's family. So that's just an example of how growing up in a family of with 11 siblings and my father was polygamous, but there was a structure. So everybody knew my mother was the first wife. She was respected. No ifs or buts about that. And also my stepmother was also respected mm-hmm. because she's my father's wife. And all of us, even though we didn't grow in the same house, grew up in the same house, but we were in and out of each other's houses. And so that also, that was the foundation, I think, of my emotional mm-hmm. intelligence journey. Then I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I had to navigate this. I had to navigate, you know, being the Ada in this family where there's my mom who... I love to death and who has given me most of my amazing characteristics. And then there's my stepmother, whom I also love, but have to res- and have to respect. Mm-hmm. Even though that marriage hurt my parent, my mom, mm-hmm. but still my mom was able to keep her dignity and my father respected her and he made sure everybody around knew that she was the major domo and nobody messed around mm-hmm. with her. So having to navigate that, you know, loving my siblings, my half siblings, I never call them my half, they're just my siblings. Loving all of them equally, looking and even now looking out for my nieces and nephews, regardless of whether we're the same mom or not. Mm -hmm. So that is what emotional intelligence is to me. That's how I understand it. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I asked because I uncovered, see, I uncovered another layer that I wouldn't have uncovered if I didn't ask. So thank (laughs) you for clarifying. That's so powerful. That is so powerful. I love it. And you know, you started to talk about emotional intelligence and how you navigated as the Ada in a family. Would you say that your life experience and the things that you've gone through and the things that you've learned and developed have led to what it is that you do today? I'd love to talk about what you do, but I do want to kick it off by asking if you always knew this was what you were going to do and if your experiences kind of set you up for success in this area. Talk to us a little bit about that. No. I didn't always know what I was mm-hmm. going to do. No. What I always knew was that I was going to be a business owner, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, but I didn't know 
this, this was the path of entrepreneurship that I would take. What I also always knew was that I grew up in a different kind of family because my dad is an outlier. My dad had three, three, me, three boys and nine girls. Mm -hmm. And my father was a physician, very learned, but he never, he, 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 he proposed education. He was all for education and he was very intelligent, but he never said to us, you have to be a physician. So fast forward to now, every child of his is an entrepreneur mm. and a successful entrepreneur. I love it. So that's why I say he's an outlier because growing up back home, he had a doctor mm. or, or an engineer or a lawyer and he was a physician, but he never ever said, he just said, you need to get your education, but do what you love. I, I didn't know that I would be a realtor, but I knew because my parents were volunteers. Like I said before, my dad was a lion president. My mom was a lioness president for West Africa. I knew I was always going to do volunteer work. And that empathy was as a result of my socialization and my upbringing. So I didn't know I was going to end up being a realtor, which I am today, but I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. Mm. Talk to us about what it is that you do. So you mentioned that you're a realtor. Talk to us about that and tell us what made you then decide to pursue a career in real estate? You said you knew you'd be an entrepreneur, but you didn't necessarily know that you'd be a realtor. So tell us about what you do and what made you decide to pursue this career. So I would just give a little background of, I started my career about 20 la, 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 years ago, because I don't want to tell you how old I am, um, but I'm 54. I'm proud of how old I, I love am. It. I'm 54. Yes. So I started my career 29 years ago in banking because I had, after my BSc, my father said to me, you have to have, do an MBA. And you know, back home in Nigeria, you really don't argue much. He, he was big on education. He didn't say you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, but he said, you have to have the skills. So whatever you decide you want to do, you can just fit in. So he said to me, you need to do an MBA because I think that's the way the world is going now. So of course I did an MBA and then that was where I actually met my husband. And um, I thought after the MBA, I was going to stay in the, in the town where he worked, where he was in school because he was in medical school then. So I was older. That's another conversation. So, <laughs> so I graduated before him and I thought, oh, well, I met this guy. I, I love him. I'm going to be there, stay in that town. But then one morning I wake up, my father's driver is outside saying, your dad said, um, you need to come home because he, a friend of his who owns a bank is ready to give you a job. Mm. So that's how I got into banking. But I knew that I wasn't going to, and my father always used to say, you know what, you just need this for the foundation. So at least you know how an organization works should you want to set up something. So I worked in, a, in the bank for like two, three years, I think it was, and I started my own business in, this was in Abuja. And I opened a boutique in then what was called Nikon Luga mm -hmm. Hilton. I think it's called Transcorp mm -hmm. Hilton. And I use that as a platform because in that boutique, I met Bill Clinton. Wow. I met Bill, what's his name? The president of Ghana then. He's dead now, the really good looking guy. I can't remember oh, his name. Rawlings, Jerry um, Rawlings. Ro Jerry mm -hmm. Rawlings, yeah. And the reason I say this is not to tout my horn, but I always knew that I was going to do big things in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And the fact that 27 years ago, I was able, 27 years ago, I was 27. Mm. I started a boutique in the number one hotel in Nigeria. And I I kind of, what's the word? 
for I knew I had my MBA, but I kind of, you know how you're doing something and it's unfolding as you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of, that's how I really, I don't want to use the word model, but I'm looking for another term. I kind of found my way through it by trial and error. But anyway, so fast forward, that's, that's you know, propelled me into a strata in society that I'm not quite, I don't even know if I was ready for because I was 27. Mm. But because of values and, you know, what I learned as a child from my parents, I was able to navigate my way through that. Um, because I will tell you, I will get a call from the hotel at 2 a.m. in the morning that this so this personality wants to shop and I have to go and open the shop because they want to shop privately. Wow. It's like, yeah. So I did things that were far beyond my age. And my father, because he saw that entrepreneurship in me, he gave me, then it was 250,000 Naira, which is not a lot, but then it was a lot. He gave me that to start to pay the rent for the hotel and then money to start the business. So I started to dabble in real estate then because I met a lot of people who either wanted to buy real estate or, and so I, 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 I model, I kind of did consultancy for in HR, but I also did real estate. So fast forward to us coming to North America, I didn't, because as a business owner, you come here, you don't really know what to do. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I didn't know what to do. So I worked, we moved to the States for my husband's work. I worked a little bit in an organization there and I got my real estate license in the States. Not long afterwards, um, after having practiced for a short while, we moved to Canada, back to Canada. And there again, the kids were young. Um, so my husband was like, you know what? Let's, even if you want to get a job, if you get a job, whatever you get is going to go into paying for childcare. Mm. So wouldn't it be better for you to be home for the kids now that they're younger? And I, and I, I, he said, I do. He said, said to me, then you can do, you, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, but this is my suggestion. Should we work through it? And I'm like, okay. Yes. So fast forward to a few years afterwards, the kids were a little older. And then I decided, okay, I think I'll do real estate. Mm. But in all of this time, I was volunteering as well. Mm. I was doing volunteer work. But that's how I ended up in real estate in Canada as well. So that's a long and convoluted story to my journey into real estate here. So I didn't know I was going to do real estate in Canada, frankly. Mm. That's the truth. No, but I love the, the so-called long and convoluted response because it opens up other questions. You know, as you were talking, I think this is going to be an inspiration to people in the audience. And I've spoken to a lot of moms who took out time to be with the kids when they were younger. And now they're sort of ready to re-enter the workforce, start a business, do different things. And there's always this question of, oh, did I lose too much time? When I apply for jobs, people ask me about the gap on my resume. Am I at a disadvantage? And I always say no, because being home with the kids was ministry. It was part of who you are. Yes. So I love that you talked yes. about that, that you took out time to be with the kids because you're a successful realtor now. So I'm, I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you can respond. Would you say that being home with the kids was a disadvantage or did it help? It helped. It wasn't a disadvantage. That, that's the short answer. It wasn't a disadvantage because, and what I tell, I do, I mentor a lot of young, especially young women. And I tell my, my daughter and my nieces too, that every part of your journey adds to who you are. So you may be doing hair, like just sitting down, doing hair, braiding hair. You know how to braid hair. That is part of your journey. So never look down on anything you've done. So being at home for my kids, was not a disadvantage. If anything, it actually gave me 
even though I didn't know it then, it gave me a client base mm. Mm. <laughs> because I, the moms in my kids' school, mm. the my kids played sports at a higher level. I don't know what they call it in the States, but they call it rep here at an advanced level. So all of those moms, uh, I mean, not all of them, but some of those moms and some of the moms and parents in the kids' schools became my clients mm. and my friends, first of all, more importantly. So no, mm. it wasn't a disadvantage mm. at all. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Mm, mm, mm. I thank you for that. I really, I'm glad you talked about it. Thank you. Talk to us really now about what the real estate market is like. What are some considerations? I know there are women in the audience that might be thinking, huh, maybe a real estate career is for me. Tell us what it's like and what are some things they need to be aware of as a woman of color who wants to enter this field as a career. Talk to us about that. So real estate is tough. Mm -hmm. So we watch selling sunset on tv and selling miami mm -hmm. or i don't know what what's the million other dollar um, new york that's what <laughs> million dollar new york yeah. That, yeah that's the that's the um experience of 0.000001% of realtors yeah. frankly real estate is hard and even those million dollar new york and all of this selling sunset that is reality TV, and they cut out the other difficult parts of their journey because they also have had to work very hard to get to where they are, and I applaud them for it. But that is not the reality of real estate for majority of us. So I'll give you, I'll give you some stats. So there's seventy something thousand realtors mm -hmm. in Canada, and I saw some stats that came out maybe two or three weeks ago about the number of sales some realtors have made. So they're trying to do a comparison just to let people know. So out of the 70-something thousand, only 1% of the agents deal, did above 30 deals in 2022. 2% mm. did 20-plus deals. 6% did 10-plus deals. And 15% did only five de deals and above. 42% of the 70-something thousand did zero deals. Wow. So I'm fortunate to be in the top 2%. Mm -hmm. However, it's not easy. It is a well-paying job, but it is not easy. And I think we have to recognize that um, when you're going into real estate, you just need to know, you have to decide what is your why. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing it? Are you doing real estate because you think there's a lot of money? Which there is. But to get to that money, you need to do a lot of things. So you need to know your market inside out. So every morning when you wake up, you need to study the, we call it the multiple um, listing system, the MLS, so that you know what's going on. You need to know, depending on your market, you need to know if, for example, somebody is looking for a single family home. You need to know what's happening in that space and what the inventory is every day. What's for sale, what's expired, what's sold, what's canceled. You need to know this so that when you're speaking to your clients, you're talking from a place of knowledge and authority. You need to know the business people in your community. So some of us would do all of the other stuff I mentioned, mm -hmm. but they don't know who the business owners in the community are, forgetting that those are potential clients. They don't know the school districts, they don't know the neighborhood. So it is a lot of work. Mm. So if you're hardworking, if you're hardworking, if you're tenacious, because I learned that 
tenacity from my mother. If my mother wants to do something, she would get it mm. done. It doesn't matter what, what thing is in front of her, what mountain or stumbling block, she will get it done. So if you have, my, my, my motto when I started was, was hit, which is honesty, integrity, and tenacity, mm. because that's what you need to do. Of course, there are people that can cut corners and do other things, but it almost always comes back to bite you. So that is the knowing the things that you need to do. So apart from my work as a realtor, I, I do a lot of volunteer work. My kids and I started a nonprofit called I Am, I Can, I Will. Um, and we do a lot of work with women and children. And we did quite a lot of work during COVID with just trying to get supplies for people in need, families who couldn't afford to buy food and things like that. And also, because a lot of people lost jobs. And then also people who identify as homeless, you know, we provided supplies for them. That's for our family nonprofit. But on the other side, I also sit on the board of the Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce. I'm the vice chair. Mm. And what the Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce does is it strengthens Black-owned businesses. And we do that by providing training and guiding them on how to access funds you know, to kind of upscale their business, to either start to upscale it. And I also sit on the board of the Black Realtors Association of Canada, where we help, where we work towards making sure that Black realtors are not discriminated against, which we are, but we're trying to um, better that space. And just putting a face to Black realtors and saying, hey, we're here. And we provide as excellent service as any other realtor would. Mm. The reason I say this is, Apart from knowing your job as a realtor, as knowing all of these statistics and all of that stuff, a part of you should be willing to give back to your community. And during COVID, a lot of businesses around where, my, where I operate as a realtor were struggling. So what did I do? I went to the businesses and I did interviews. I did interviews, of course, all masked up and everything, but I did interviews to talk to them and for them to tell me what their struggles were. And I put those interviews on my social media. Mm -hmm. So that people could remember that, wait a minute, there's this business here that I can support. And just so that, because all of those businesses are the foundation of our community and of our nation, regardless of where you live, small business owners yes. and small businesses. And if they collapse, everything else collapses. But the, 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 the reason I bring this up is we make money as realtors when you work hard and do the right thing. You make a lot of money because we do make a lot of money. But we also should think about giving back. I guess this is from my own background. I guess not everybody had the same background, but you can learn it. You can learn to give back. You can learn to mentor. So I mentor a lot of new, younger realtors coming into the market. And I tell them these things. I'm like, yes, you're going to make a lot of money. But also you should think about how you're going to give back to the community where you make money from. Mm -hmm. my, my advice to females especially, because females are also, there's a lot of um, misogyny in real estate. And females is a old white boys club mm. in Canada. So as a woman, first of all, you have to deal with that, whether you're black mm -hmm. or white. As a black woman, you deal with that and you deal with the racism. Mm. And you deal with the fact that people don't give you a shot because you're black. Mm. So people ask me questions like, how are you able to operate in white neighborhoods when you're black? I'm like, service is not black or white. Service is service. Yes. Excellent service. It's not black yes. or white, it's service. Yes. So you have to know your craft. 
I, I, every day, I don't, I really don't start work till 12 o'clock every day. And the reason is I wake up in the morning, I do my prayers, I do my devotion, spend time with my husband. My daughter is home, working from home. Our son is in school. I have my husband's younger cousins in the house. So I just do a few things and then I add value to myself by trying to learn something new for my clients. So you have to continue learning. People say, oh, medicine, when you're in medicine, you are con it's continuous learning. It's continuous learning in real estate. So I'll say to the, to, to the new realtor, make sure you learn. And I don't start work, of course, if I'm negotiating an offer, of course, I'll do it before 12 o'clock, but I don't start doing showings or any of those stuff till 12 because I need to add value to myself. Mm -hmm. I need to pray. I need to spend time with family. I can do that now. I guess when you're new as a realtor, you 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 have to find your space, right? And you need to know. But if you do something called time blocking, time blocking helps you. You need to block your time off. You need to say, okay, at this time I'm calling clients. At this time I'm going door knocking. At this time I'm doing whatever. I'm doing my prayers and wash whatever it is you do. Mm -hmm. So time blocking is important. Giving back to community, knowing your craft. Mm -hmm. And don't expect that you're going to get business from family and friends because most times you don't. So don't be disappointed if you don't, but it is what it is. Yeah. And don't fight with those family and friends because they didn't give you business. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that door open. So yeah, so that's what I would say to them. But women of color, give back within your community. Yeah. I love it. This is, I, you know, again, <laughs> you said so much I want to uncover. You talked about time blocking. So put a pin in that because I do want to come back to that. You talked about some of the things that you would say to women of color and particularly starting out in a career. So I guess my question based on that is, would you say that these are some of the important lessons you've learned along the way? Or are there some other important lessons in addition to this gold mine of information that you've just provided what else have you learned along the way as a result of being a realtor and growing up in the space as a woman of color what are some important lessons you've learned be confident in who you are hmm. confidence doesn't always come naturally to a lot of us but you can build yourself up my husband always tells our son tifa he says read continue to read because when you read and you go into a space, you never know when they're going to ask you a question about something you read. And when you speak from a place of knowledge, you get respect. Mm. And then that breeds confidence in you. So be confident in who you are, first of all. Like know that I am black, I am white, I am whatever I am, indigenous. But I am who I am. And love yourself. That's one, one thing I've learned. I just love who I am. I'm not perfect, but I love who I am. And it always shows. If you love who you are, it shows. It shows. So that's one thing I've learned. Try not to take things personally. I said it before, like, don't make them your enemy because they didn't use you as their realtor. I've had people who I've started work with, they didn't use me to buy their first home, but they used me to buy their investment home. And they don't have to use you. Nobody owes you that. You have to earn that. So sometimes we think, oh, it's my friend. They owe me. No. Your friend, even your sister doesn't owe you that. So j just don't take things mm -hmm. personally. Another lesson I've learned, feedback. Yeah. yeah, feedback. Always ask for feedback, but be open to receiving honest feedback. Be open to receiving honest feedback. I lost a client recently, actually this week, this past week, um, because they're like, they're friends, but they're not family, but I call them family friends. 
right? And they're buying their first home. And we've been on it for two years. However, they had asked me to do something um, to set them up, which I did. And then the husband had sent me listings and I saw them and I'm like, okay. I said, when do you want to view it? But I didn't get back to him till, I think he said a week later. And in that week, they found somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, at first, of course, I was like, oh, wow. But I'm thinking to myself, there's something. So I said, can we have a conversation so that I can have feedback? Because I need to know what happened here. And then they didn't go to somebody else just because I didn't get back in one week. One, that area is not my area of strength. I, I know the area. I've done business in the area, but it's not my area. Like, there are certain areas that I'm, I own it. I can talk about them in my mm-hmm. sleep. So when we had the feedback conversation, he did express that. He said, you know, I wanted somebody who, one, would knows the area very well. They live there. And then also, I you know, I sent you a message and you did, actually it was the wife who said this to me. He, you know, my husband said the only feedback was he sent you a message and I didn't get back to him, I think, for a week or something. And so I explained my rationale for that. But I said, I'm very sorry. There's no reason why I should not have gotten back to you in that one week. Mm. So that lesson, feedback, feedback, always be open to feedback. And I, and what did that make me? That made me start thinking, I usually get back to clients within 24 hours. That's my, but this one dropped through the cracks. Maybe, maybe because I know them very well and their family. Mm. And that's another lesson. Don't take anybody for granted. Mm. Give everybody excellent service, the same excellent service. Because my turnaround time is 24 mm. hours. So why did it take me one yeah. week? Because I had other things going on, but that's irrelevant. They don't know. They don't care to know. You're providing a service, provide that service. So feedback is very important and be open to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love them. They're, my, they're still my friends. I chatted with them yesterday. No hard feelings. I would have liked the money, but... <laughs> For me, relationships are more important yes. than that money. Yes, this is so good. This is so good. You, you said something about, I love who I am. We love who you are too, Nene. <laughs> Just for this conversation, <laughs> we love who you are too. Thank you. <laughs> So you talked about time blocking. I love that you talked about it. I wanted to come back to that because it's just too good to let go. Would you say that time blocking is what has helped you balance the demands of home life, family, career, business, mentorship, volunteering, and all the different hats that you wear? Or do you have specific things that you do that help to balance that? We'd love to hear about that. So time blocking is when you assign a specific time and day to the different things you have Mm -hmm. to do. So regarding balancing the demands of home life and family, originally it wasn't time blocking. It was, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. That was difficult. Demands of work, home life and family and all the volunteering that I do, that was difficult for me to balance it out. I learned time blocking with real estate. I'm not perfect at it, but I learned it really when I started real estate because I knew that at a particular time I had to be calling these people and call them same time every day that you assign. So if on Mondays I'm calling my first home buyers at 9 a.m., every Monday I'm calling them at 9 a.m. So they come to expect that call. Mm. They may not always answer, but they know that that call is coming. So that's where I learned time blocking. It is a difficult balance. Work-life balance is difficult. It's a difficult thing to navigate. But you have to be intentional about it. Otherwise, things are going to fall 
through the cracks and you don't want your family to fall through the cracks because mm -hmm. family to me is the most important yeah. thing money would come and go success will come and go we would come and go but somebody has said it some way people remember not what you say but how you make them mm -hmm. feel so that time that you set aside be intentional about it so if for example when my kids were young i used to do this have a date with a daughter or have a date with the son uh, with my son at different times um i learned it from one parenting christian parenting book but we have to be intentional about that and when we are there we need to be present mm. Like we need to be present. So you can block your time. But are you blocking your time and you're doing that thing at 9 a.m. with your daughter or your spouse or your significant other and you're thinking about what you're going to do the next hour? Yeah. We need to be present. And I learned this from, of course, therapy that I said I went into. Mindfulness, that helps. So time blocking helped me, has helped me with the volunteer work and my business and also family life as well so so it's very important in real estate i send whatsapp messages to my diff i have different groups first time buyers investors people who are renting just different groups new immigrants so i send messages to them at this on the same day of the week now i've made it every two weeks but that's time blocking so the same way i talked about the calling they come to expect that and trust me when they think of anything real estate, they think of you because you are always in their so Whether they read or they reply is not the issue. Don't expect anybody to reply and don't be offended if they reply because people get a lot of messages, right? But when you block that time out for them, they expect you to reach out to them at that time. Um, subconsciously, they may not respond, but subconsciously their brain knows, okay, I'm getting a message from Nene on Monday at 9 a.m. or whatever time it is. Mm. So that is part of time blocking. And, and it helps you also with barriers too. So if you say from 7 p.m., I'm not taking any calls. This is family time. That's time blocking. You create your barriers. Your clients know that from a certain time, you're not going to take any calls. Or Sometimes you have to. We, we negotiate sometimes up to midnight or beyond on certain deals. But there are certain situations where just for a client to call you, I want to have a chat. I love chatting with my clients, but there are certain times for that. They respect you and you respect their time as well. Very helpful. Very helpful. Thank you for that. What heights are still left to attain, Nene? What What else do you think? Oh, I, I really want to do that. I want to hear about that. You're laughing, so I want to hear. I mean, the answer is loaded. <laughs> <laughs> what heights? I always say next up is a PhD. Because... Mm. Uh, my mom has a PhD, mm. so she's a doctor, but not a mm. medical doctor, PhD. Mm. And I've always admired that in my mom, my parents. Um, and yeah, so my next stop is a PhD. People always ask me why, what I, especially in real estate, especially in this misogynistic world that I am in. People ask me, why, why are you not working in uh, here? It's Bay Street in Canada. That's Bay Street is our Wall mm. Street. With all these letters you have, why are you not why are you not working in in the financial industry? I'm like, because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have two masters, and I have all kinds of certification for real estate, but I just like to learn because the moment you stop learning, you might as well be dead. Mm -hmm. So next up is a PhD. Mm -hmm. I have to do that sooner than later, and then continue building generational wealth. Yes. 
for my children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. That's one of the things I preach in real estate, mm -hmm. yeah, because what's your legacy? Your legacy should be how, people, how you make people feel. Let them remember that. And also, what have you left for them in the financial context? What kind of, what have you built? What have you, and generational wealth is not, it could be a company. It could be an idea. It could be lots of money. That would be great too. But I don't know. I don't see generational wealth only as money. I see generational wealth as some of the things I've learned from my mother that I pass on to my children hmm. and which I hope to pass on to my grandchildren and who they should pass on, who I hope would pass on to their own children. So that is also generational wealth. It's not only money. Hmm. So building, I continue building generational wealth for my family and the causes I believe in because I want to get to a place where I have enough money such that in my will, I can leave money to the things that our nonprofit support. The I am, I can, I will, because we are educating some children in IDP camps in Nigeria mm -hmm. and we're putting them through school. So things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been fantastic. And, and just so everyone knows, in the show notes, I'm going to be detailing how you can get involved with Nene's nonprofit, how you can reach her, her social media handle. All of that information will be in the show notes so you can keep in touch with this phenomenal woman and really follow along her journey. Thank you so much, Nene. Is there anything I should have asked you that I did not? No, but I have a question for okay. you. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about what moves you. I love your platform, Fierce Mothers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit. I've read about you, but I want to hear it from you. So I've always had a passion to give back. My audience has always been women of color, has always been the underrepresented. And just like you, I have a nonprofit as well. But my biggest passion, the biggest passion that I have, if you intersect all of that, is helping women especially women of color, helping the underrepresented identify their purpose. What reason were you put on this earth? Everybody has a unique talent, a unique gift, a, a gift that they've been given by God to steward. What is that gift? It's helping them find it, helping them find their voice to express it. And if you're a mother, helping you find your voice to express your gift without guilt, without burnout, mm. knowing that you can, mm. knowing that God has empowered you to be all that he created you to be with no apology to anyone else. That's my passion. And I could talk mm. about it on and on and on and on. And people are like, it's enough. We've heard. No, no, you've not heard. I have more to say. So thank you for us. Preach it. <laughs> Preach it. No, you can't say it enough. Yes. That is something you can't say yes. enough. Yes. So I love that. Continue preaching it. Continue saying it. Continue because we need to hear it, especially as minorities, mm -hmm. especially as minorities and as women. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank this you. has been fantastic. And I'm so, so glad you were able to come on the show. So glad. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode. What was your main takeaway from this episode? What did you like? What, in your opinion, are some ways that we could improve? I want to hear from you. You can reach me at ugochi at fiercemothers.com. To learn more about Fierce Mothers, please visit our website at fiercemothers.com and join our mailing list for our weekly newsletter. 
The newsletter provides powerful tips and inspiration for life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Fierce Mothers. Follow me on LinkedIn at Ugochi Onyewu. We are building an engaged community of Fierce Mothers, so please tell your friends about the show. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you.